Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 263 of the Drunk Cashers Podcast. I'm here as always, I'm Tyler, and joining me with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Sir Colonel Gables. What's up, buddy? Hey, Tyler, I am doing fantastic. I've finished my week of work, I'm relaxing right now, plus I got stuff to do in Seattle tomorrow, so I am feeling good. How about yourself, man? Uh, I am absolutely exhausted. Uh, <laughs> It was a very long week of work, um, and then on top of that, we had a, uh, it, was, it was a good thing, but we had a, uh, when it's when it gets nice out, it's, you know, it's, it's Friday night, by the way, for people that don't know, so we're recording a little earlier than usual, um, we had a, uh, a company held, like, a golf outing, uh, so they paid for the golf, and you just got, give you a couple free drink tickets, and you go golfing with a bunch of in groups of with uh, friends from work. So, did that. Uh, just got done with that a little over an hour ago. Uh, first time really golfing in uh, at least a decade. Uh, and everything hurts right now. <laughs> like I felt fine during, but the longer I go since I've sat down, uh, the more pain I've been in. Uh, wrist, hands. Elbows, shoulders, back, knees, toes. Basically, the, the entire song, uh, the, all of those hurt right now. So I should tell you uh, that I am not in the best shape in the world. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it uh, it was fun. It was good times. Uh, it's a very long day, though, going from work to that to here. Um, yeah, the but, body has to take a lot of time just to get used to type of uh, physical activity as such. I know, for instance, when I'm in my workplace and I basically I move around, do a lot of uh, lifting, I do a lot of moving around these metro racks and all this other stuff, my body ends up being sore. But on top of that, I've been doing walks, I've been doing like push-ups, sit-ups, this and that. And uh, over the first few weeks of doing that, my body was so exhausted, I would pass out during the week time, the weekdays like around... Routinely around uh, the seven thirty, eight o'clock thing, because I would just be just collapsed inside the bed, just fall asleep. Wake up the next day, try to do the stuff again, and then like literally my body. This is like a sensation I haven't felt for quite a long while, where my muscles they kind of burn a bit yeah, <laughs> and they keep your good. body warm and stuff. Yeah, that's something that happens when uh, you exercise and then your muscles are just trying to build up and stuff. As long as you don't, like, try to do it continuously without resting your body and then crash like I did, like, last week, <laughs> that would actually be much beneficial. But, uh, hey, man, you got yourself some exercise. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It's stupid. Do. I don't get it. You know, I'm on my feet all day at work, so that part isn't a problem. But once you start, like, exerting yourself in the way that, like, golf, like, it's very sneaky the way it kind of catches up to you. I felt fine. I was like, when we were done, I was like, I'm not even tired, surprisingly. And then I stopped and then sat down. I'm like, I am exhausted. <laughs> so Just it was like, at once. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a rough couple hours. Um, plus some drinking on top of that, too. Uh, oh, boy. And kind of coming down from that. Uh, yeah. So other than that, doing okay. Um, did have, uh, so gaming wise, though. Uh, jumping into what we've been playing, uh, I've been raving about this game for two weeks. I'm not gonna do it again. 
so as much as I did the last two weeks. Uh, but I rolled credits, aka I finished God of War. Yeah, you finished God of War. Tell me how that was, dude. The best way I can describe this game is it's. I never wanted to quit playing this game. Yeah. I, I just I wanted to keep playing it, but I never wanted it to end. Aww. And I was like legitimately like upset and kind of disappointed that it was over when it was oh, over. Man. Uh, just uh, and I did the majority of the side stuff, uh, but it was just kind of like the problem was like the 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 characters and the story is so interesting that as fun as the other stuff is, I just kind of want to know what happened next. Especially the deeper you got into it, it's just like I don't want to do anything else. I want to go. I want to know what the what the hell happens next in the story. <laughs> um, and next thing you know, Thursday night, uh, I played for a bunch of hours in a row, and I was just like, uh, I didn't even really plan on finishing it. It's just kind of one thing after another, after another, after another. And like I talked about before, there's no there's no loading screens, so it's it's very tough to. Or it's very easy to just keep going. It's very hard to put the game down. There's no breaks in the action. So, uh, yeah, long story short, I finished it. Uh, my opinions stay the same. Uh, I mean, maybe this is a little more of a little bit of a recency bias with just playing the game yesterday. But it definitely feels like if we did like a Game of the Generation podcast, this would be on the short list for this generation. There you go. Wow. So that should, I should say how highly, and I think it's been a pretty great generation. Um, and that should tell you though, kind of like how high I rank this game. It's still fan. It was fantastic, and it's one of those games where, like, after I finished it, I kept. I just like hit credits. It came back to the main thing. I don't really want to t- say anything because I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, good stuff to talk about because it's just like there's so many things that happen, so many different areas they go to, and things change in those areas. Uh, yes. That, the small little details can spoil the spoil parts of the game, and um, but after I finished it and went back to the main main hub world, uh, and started, I just started playing again. Like I played for like another twenty thirty minutes after I beat the game. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like trying to find more side stuff. I like I said, I probably I feel like I finished seventy eighty percent of the game, uh, and at this point now I'm just kind of like I kind of want to get that platinum, like. I, wow, I've, dude! I've got about half the trophies. The rest of the trophies, I've done the majority of the work to get those. Get those. Like I'm sure I can. The, the only downside is is just getting the places in the world. Uh, the fast travel isn't exactly the best. Uh, I think it's easier now that you, you beat the game. They unlock a different like they unlock a different lot of fast travel areas. Uh, but going through the game like during the like while you still haven't finished the game, uh, a little bit more difficult to do. There's not really a lot of areas to fast travel from to and from so yeah. it's like getting anywhere is just uh, you gotta you gotta walk there or uh take a boat there or whatever so it's a long journey um to get to anything in there but now it seems like it'll be a little bit easier um so i'm tempted to just kind of keep playing it especially with uh hopefully it looks look it looks like the fast travel system has opened up quite a bit um and i'll just keep playing it and kind of fight through it because I, I feel like three or four more hours of playing this game and i can probably finish everything Man, I gotta say though, this is one of those rare games for you where you actually want to go through and replay the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, not very many. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily want to play the story again because it's just like it's so um, heavy in a lot of ways. Where uh, it's it's one of those ones that's a little difficult to replay because like the story beats are so powerful and the game is built on like 
upping itself at all times. Like I was talking to a guy at work about it, and he's like, he's a few hours in. The guy I sold my cop my physical copy to, and he's a few hours in. He's just like, I just got to the World Serpent, and like I'm two hours in this game, and I meet this giant lizard, uh, and I'm just like, dude, like it gets like ten times bigger than that. Like every hour or two, something bigger happens. Huh. It's like I don't see how. I'm like it does, and I didn't think it would either, but it did. Like it's just every moment, like it's a, you get these big crazy moments, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger every single time. Um, and they uh, do a fantastic job uh, at the end there of kind of leaving it um, open ended in a way. Like you, you, you do what you want to do, but also um, there there is definitely room for a sequel. There's there's definitely a lot there left where they could probably make another trilogy out of this one fairly easily if they wanted to. And I hope so, because uh, the world is interesting. There's a, a character you get about... Um, I don't know. It's hard to say, because you know, playing the game the way I played it, where I was doing a lot of side stuff. But uh, I would say maybe a third of the way through to halfway through, you, you pick up, you get a, another character that kind of joins you in your journey. Uh, and he is probably the best character in the game. He explains a lot of the history and a lot of the Norse myth- mythology yeah. uh, and the characters in the world. And just like you're just walking, you're just like on a boat going through the world or walking around, and uh, Atreus will ask a question, and he'll just tell a story about uh, the gods, and it's just like he says it in a really, he talks about it in a really interesting way. That's like I am completely intrigued by this. Like I've gone on Wikipedia now, like reading about like gods and the, their stories, and to kind of see if they change anything in the uh, uh, in the game. Uh, it seems like for the most part, a lot of it is pretty much exactly how this in the game is actually how it happened. Wow. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, I don't want to go on another rant about how great this game is, but it, I mean, it's fantastic. And I don't know if you are curious at all what I have, what more opinions I want uh, that I have might have to say. Just go back the last two weeks and listen to me uh, go on about how great this game is because it's uh, this game feels like more than just game of the year. It feels like an all timer. Kind of game. Nice. So yeah, that's that, exactly the type of game that we need right yes. now in this moment because there are very few games that are like, well, just like that, sort of like God of War, where it feels like a transitional, sort of like a trend. It's just sort of like a uh, generation gap sort of game to where this is the type of benchmarks inside of a console generation where you have a main a main focus that's going to help advance. Like more elaborate storytelling in games, much more grander scale in games going forward. Yeah, it definitely. From what the impression I've gotten from, not only watching people play certain parts, but seeing the trailers, seeing the reactions from people, reading them on Twitter, on Facebook, on this and that, and other social media sites, it seems it's universal that people absolutely adore this reimagining of God of War. Yeah, this even though it is like a continuation from the previous God of War series and stuff, but uh, I will say, by the end of this year, I will have bought and I will have played through this game. And when I do, I would think that maybe we should try to do like a spoiler cast thing about it, because it sounds like the type of game just to try to go in depth with for a good hour or so at a time. Yeah, I'm totally, <laughs> totally cool with that, because after I finished it, I went I went and started reading about or uh, listening to interviews with uh, Cody Barlog. He's like the creator-producer one of the head guys of God of War. 
and talking about the ending and the story beats and all that to it. So it's definitely something I'm fascinated with and curious, you know, to, to read more or know more about. So it's one of those games that's kind of even after I'm done with it, it still has its hooks, hooks to me. So uh, yeah, that's, so that's that's really all I played this week. Um, what about you, Gables? All right, to continue on from last week, the Poke Warriors way has still been continuing. As of now, I actually have beaten Pokemon X. That's not really a surprise to some people. I know whenever I tell my friends or my coworkers like exactly how many Pokemon games I've played in a row, a lot of the times it's shock, surprise, this and that. But at this time, it feels sort of like... I don't know, it just feels sort of like a routine now, almost, because I've been doing this exact same thing now for about a good solid a month and a half, almost two months, went through all the other Pokemon games, and going through Pokemon X, it felt great. Returning back to a game where in, when it was first released, I absolutely adored, you know, it was one of my top games for that year on our podcast and stuff, and I went into detail about that, Fire Emblem Awakening, just the top games at that time. At the same point, I do believe I've seen a bunch of stuff inside this game that have aged not so well, in my terms, uh, in my opinion. In the grander scale of the story structure, it does seem sort of weak in comparison to some, like, into, like, say, what I played through previously was, say, Black and White, Black and White 2. Now, I understand that story-wise, like, story elements inside of a Pokemon game aren't really as focused and as important as, uh, the gameplay and this and that but with Pokemon X and Y I feel like not only like some of the story structure but also the team the evil team team flair and stuff is really not as fleshed out as it could have been towards the end of the game they try to focus so much upon like the character AZ and the whole like ultimate weapon and this and that I kind of felt in a sense it was kind of forced, sort of like rushed towards the end part of the game just to put it in there and try to put a little bit more substance where it needed to be. There are there were some elements which kind of contributed to the whole thing of this ultimate weapon, subtle references here and there, but it just totally felt like it was out of place in sort of this cheery sort of like uh, game and everything else where... You're starting with your friends and stuff in this game, and then all of a sudden you just go on your own adventures and do this and do that. But uh, all of a sudden you're introduced into this elements of you have Team Flare that's trying to take over the legendary Pokemon like, uh, what was it, Xerneas and Evil or something, and then try to use their power and stuff in order to fuel this ultimate weapon to just destroy all life when essentially. It's pretty dark. In terms of like a Pokemon game, <laughs> but not as dark as you would think. But uh, gameplay-wise, still the same. There's a lot of hand-holding towards the beginning of the game that I've noticed. In terms of my team, oh man, my team and stuff. This was very fun just to go through. I chose Fennekin, like I said. I had Fennekin and Squirtle. I evolved them into their full forms. The Delphox, the Blastoise. Then I got my Sylveon, caught an Eevee in the wild, evolved into Sylveon through the Pokemon of me. Now, when I got my entire team all organized and stuff, I went, I went towards the later half of uh, the game, basically almost a little bit overpowered, 
because at the time I reached the Elite Four and Champion, I was well above my mid-60s. As a matter of fact, there were some Pokemon that were in their early 70s before facing off against the Elite Four and Champion. So even with like uh, replenishing items and health stuff, I was able to completely dominate and dismantle the Elite Four and Champion with hardly any effort, really. In re- other than like say a few spots where I could not cover specific types, like say specific fighting type Pokemon or p- specific like uh, what was it? Yeah, fighting and then fire types, some somewhat. But uh, overall. Going through the Elite Four, then going through the champion stuff, I think the hardest thing to do through my playthrough in that portion of the game was just kind of gut-checking some of the champions' Pokemon, say with the uh, Tyranitar, I thought it was like a Tyranitar, no, 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 Tyrantrum and uh, Aurorus on the champions' team. It was sort of a little bit tricky because uh, I accidentally like switched into the wrong Pokemon type and then all of a sudden they get one-shotted and stuff. But overall, I've, I'm left with a feeling of I'm glad that I've played through Pokemon X. I feel happy that I've played through it. I'm not really in a rush to replay it again anytime soon, though. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I'm happy that I've went through and I've enjoyed playing through Pokemon X for the first time since, well, I've bought the game. And I'm also happy that I've gone through the past previous Pokemon games. So, with that in mind, I took a break for, well, I would say four days now. I went into Walmart today, and I bought the last game that I'm going to play through to finish up the Poke Warriors way until the next mainline game comes out. And that is... No. (laughs) I already have Pokemon Snap. But anyway, it is Pokemon Ultra Moon. I did buy that. I haven't started it yet, but since I'm already well within this and I'm one game left, this is the game I'm going to end up on. So once I finish that, it's going to be ending this journey that I've been going through for (laughs) the past couple months pretty much. In a way, it's kind of interesting. It's exciting to think about that uh, what started off as a little inkling of, hey, I just want to play some Pokemon games, just turns into this snowball effect of me going through all this process, not only like inside the games, but also in my personal life, and this and that, and everything seems to just intertwine into something that has lifted itself to an extent where I feel like I'm in a better place having played through all those games in a row while everything else has been happening in my other my personal life and stuff to this extent now where it just feels like something is about to blossom into something crazy. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just seems really funny that uh, it would be like the Pokemon games and stuff. But anyway, that's pretty much what I had from playing, you know? <laughs> that's cool, man. That's interesting to kind of hear your thoughts going back into Pokemon X and Y. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I will say this, though. It's like, after I'm done with uh, Ultra Moon, it's going to be an extended break from Pokemon for a bit. And when I mean a bit, I probably would say, like, a long while. Yeah. Well, that's good. Understandable. Going through, you know, seven or eight of them, you know, in a short amount of time. Yes. It could this be a will, lot. This will be... Ultra Moon would be, I would think, my eighth 
seventh or eighth Pokemon game in a row. Yeah, so that's quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. You get yourself a well-deserved break from those once, you, once you're done with Ultra Moon. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to the news. So, All right. not really a lot going on this week. Uh, kind of a slow news week. Uh, really all we got, got a war of sales. Kind of they announced that in the first three days, got a war is the fastest selling exclusive this generation with 3.1 million copies sold in the first three days. Wow. So that's just over 1 million a day. Uh, obviously really impressive. I think Horizon Zero Dawn had the, uh, was one of the fastest selling at like after a year is like 7.6 million sold. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like God of War could easily pass that, uh, especially at this point when there's more PS4s out in the wild than there was when Horizon yeah. came out. And obviously, God of War's God of War. Horizon was a brand new franchise. So uh, great to hear, and obviously getting, getting great reviews. So um, cool to see that uh, it seems to be hitting well with the public. Well, that's good. That's good. Good games should sell well like that. Yeah, so very cool. Uh, moving on to uh, one more, another thing here is that Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, there was a new trailer that dropped out on Wednesday. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it yet, Gables. I have. Uh, oh, you have? Okay. So my opinions on it are very, very little. Uh, I've talked about it before. Rockstar games are not exactly my bag. Uh, I respect them and I appreciate them for what they are. I, I've tried multiple times to play Red Dead Redemption and couldn't finish it. Um, but uh, just kind of watching the trailer on it, seeing John Marston back is pretty cool. It's a prequel, obviously, to Red Dead Redemption 1. Uh, and it's like it takes place in 1899. And, uh, but yeah, it looked kind of interesting. It looked kind of cool. Like, you do bank, it looks like you do some bank robberies. Uh, do, you know, you can rob a train if you like. Uh, this trailer mainly does, uh, has to do with the uh, story. Um, so, uh, what, are, what, are you, what are you at on this one, Gables, after watching it? I felt that the trailer was well done, to be perfectly honest with you. I think Rockstar did a fantastic job in showcasing the cinematic and sort of the feel of the tone of this Red Dead Redemption Redemption game. I was kind of disappointed that we have not seen much gameplay yet, even though I know they could possibly do so, possibly around E3 time, but then again, Rockstar doesn't generally do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They generally have their own events. But uh, I'm happy with the trailer. Just wish I would have seen some bit more gameplay. Because cutscenes are cutscenes. The actual gameplay footage and mission structure or moves that you have access to, that would be more beneficial, in my honest opinion. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but kind of Rockstar is kind of one of those, uh, they're in those, that upper echelon of game developers where they kind of do whatever the hell they want. And uh, you're just kind of happy to you just take what you get and get, and you're you know be happy with that. Um, so I think um, when we see gameplay for the game comes out, yeah, probably, but it'll probably be like preview events, yeah, you know, like IG and GameSpot and things like that. We'll be showing like stuff on YouTube, like hey, we went and played the game for two hours. Here's kind of what, here's a couple we saw. I don't think uh, we'll be seeing much more than that. They don't usually do um, E3 stuff at all. They don't have to. Uh, I think I don't think any of the last three games that they made um, GTA 4 Red Dead uh, Redemption 2 and GTA 5 were at actually at an E3 event could be wrong but I don't believe they were um, so they're, they're kind of their name uh, and their games are big enough where they don't have to do that so uh, I can very easily see this kind of being like a uh, Fallout 4 in a way where it's just like alright the, the name itself is enough we'll just release the game here's a little bit of uh, 
a little bit of what's going on in this game, and the rest is up to you what you want to do. So, um, yeah, I, I I can see it going either way. Um, I'd be curious to see more. Uh, still, though, once again, not my, really my. This is not my type of game. Uh, so, but if people are excited for them. I'm excited for them. Uh, but moving on to uh, we're going we're flying through the topics this week because like I said, not a lot going on. Uh, but the last topic for this week is uh, the NPD numbers for March came out. We're a little late on this, but uh, seems uh, they came out I think right around the time we recorded last week. Uh, so I'm going to go through real quick the top 20 games that, that sold in March. Uh, so number one, Far Cry 5. Number two, Sea of, Three, sea of Thieves. Three, MLB 18 The Show. Number four, Kirby Stars Allies. Number five, GTA 5. Six, Call of Duty World War II. Seven, Mario Kart 8. Eight, Nino Kuni 2. 9, NBA 2K18, 10, Monster Hunter World, 11, Super Mario Odyssey, 12, Breath of the Wild, 13, uh, Player Unknown's Battleground, 14, Rainbow Six Siege, uh, 15, A Way Out, 16, Assassin's Creed Origins, 17, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, 18, FIFA 18, 19, Splatoon 2, and 20, UFC 3. Uh, so a pretty... Uh, Incredible list, I think this this uh, for the month of March. Where Far Cry Five being number one, no real big surprise. It was the number one selling game on Steam, or not Steam, but on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. Makes sense. Uh, it was easily the biggest game coming out that month. Uh, I think some of the surprising things coming out of it were Sea of Thieves being number two. Uh, that's actually just actual uh, purchases of the game. That doesn't include Game Pass. Huh. So that means even with the Game Pass being out there, this game still sold extremely well. Uh, MLB 18, the show. Those games always sell super well, but it's extremely, it's shocking to see that game at number three, especially being a PlayStation exclusive and yeah. no longer being, uh, no longer having Vita with it. So there goes some of the sales, but it sounds like it's better than ever. Number four, the sh- most shopping, shocking to me with Kirby Star Allies. Uh, it's, it's still uh, selling well, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, it is the they said it's the most, it's the fastest selling Kirby game of all time. Um, which is great to hear. Great to hear that people are uh, hyped for it. That just shows you the power of the Switch, where uh, a Kirby game in 2018 is uh, selling like hotcakes for that console. Wow. Um, GTA 5 being at number five. I mean, that's just kind of that game is a guaranteed top five seller. It seems like every month. Uh, Nino Kuni 2 at number eight. That's great to hear. Uh, it's a very niche title on a uh, on one console. And see that selling extremely well, or at least well enough to be in the top ten is great to hear. Yes. Um, and then a way out being at number fifteen, a little disappointing, but uh, I guess not too surprising. Seeing the fact that it is a, I think it's a downloadable only game, and then on top of that, you can only play it two player. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, might have turned a lot of people off. I know personally that um, if I, I if I would have known before I pre-ordered it that you had to play with one other person, uh, I wouldn't have bought it yet. I would have waited until the time came when I was ready to play that with somebody could got it cheaper or whatever down the line yeah. um, instead of just sitting there on my console uh, but yeah I pretty incredible uh, incredible month there for March what about you Gables? oh man yeah it's interesting to see like the position where Sea of Thieves is at especially since the launch of the game and like the subsequent like updates that have come out for the game itself I'm kind of wondering with the game pass and stuff how much of those initial sales and stuff were just Game Pass members and not really like uh, the people who actually bought the game itself. 
<laughs> well, this doesn't include uh, Game Pass downloads. This is pure, I know, I know. yeah. So I kind of want to see those Game Pass downloads though, just to see what how yeah. many. Well, I think uh, Kirby Star Allies was at 1.6 million sold. And yeah, that was number four. So that Sea of Thieves is probably in the two million range for sales. And I'm curious, I'm curious like you, to see what the overall people playing it versus the overall people that bought it would be. Well, I tell you though. What else kind of surprised me, though, is just how high the Kirby game is still selling for Switch. I mean, yeah, that's, that was the last, like, major big Nintendo game for the Switch over the past, like, month or so, right until, well, the better part of this month stuff with, uh, like, Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze, and then, like, uh, oh, boy, there's another couple games that are Hyrule releasing. Warriors. Yeah, Hyrule Warriors, Definitive Edition, those games are re-releasing their you know their switch ports and stuff this month so it definitely was surprising to see that what's not surprising is gta 5 again you know gta 5 the juggernaut that won't die off the yeah. mpd lists even though it's been out since 2013 yeah <laughs> almost five years but other than that though it's just it's just kind of like what i would have expected you know like a lot of the sports games selling for the the month you know, like MLB and this and that. But, yeah, not too much surprise. It's just a little quirks here and there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great to see a lot, a lot of new uh, faces on that list this, this month. So it's great to see. I think we had one, two, three, four, five, uh, six game, Five in the top eight and then six overall brand new in the top 20 this month or the month right. of March. So, yeah, great to see that. Some new fresh faces in there. Um, but yeah, really cool. Uh, really cool. Let's see what's going on. Uh, but short, well, let's short. Let's see. Yeah, go ahead. So, so let's see right here. Since we are kind of looking for like little bits of topics or something to talk about, since uh, well, it's about a half an hour in. We got some time to burn. There was some interesting little tidbits of uh, news that came out over the past couple of days, and it involves Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. So the you know Valve, the company that uh, owns Steam and stuff like that, they're currently beta testing the compatibility of the the Switch's Pro Controller on their uh, site, and basically they have up the beta stuff for it right now. Haven't tested it myself, but just the so just the element of being able to play the Switch Pro Controller on your PC through Steam, playing through some of the games say like Cuphead or like uh, some of the 2D like games say like Fez or this and that and stuff I think that's really fucking cool to be perfectly honest with you because you got access to not only just the amount of battery life that controller has but also the aspect of having like a completely comfortable layout with uh, the D-pad one of the best D-pads I've probably have played on one of those controllers plus every little bits of the layout itself Hmm. So, just wanted to bring that up a little bit. No, that's, that's cool though. See, that's being that's being out there. I personally prefer that I'll, if I ever have the option, I'll use the PS4 controller. Uh, but oh yeah, it's great. It's great to see that being an option out there. That shows that once again, that shows the power of the Switch uh, when they're um, they're putting it out there that you can start using the, the Switch Pro controller. And maybe kind of puts it out there with you know Valve is getting back in the, into the game making world with. Buying Campo Santos a couple weeks ago, um, yeah. Firewatch. So maybe that them trying to like 
get maybe to the market when those games come out to PlayStation, Xbox, PC, whatever. It's like, hey, this this could maybe come to the Switch too. So you never um, know, really. I yeah. mean, I'm just thinking about the possibility of the games that are on Steam right now that would take advantage of, say, the uh, D-pad of the Switch's Pro Controller. I just said before, like Cuphead, like yeah. Fez, and stuff like that, but, uh, well, some of the other games I'm, like, thinking about, just a lot of the 2D titles, you know, say, like, the Sega games that they mm-hmm. got, the Genesis, like, the Genesis ports and stuff would also make good use of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, the options are uh, limitless with if the, when they go the, when they go that route um, and be able to play them on there, so that that's cool, that's great. You know, more options for the gamers if if you like the pro controller more uh, than you like the other two, or the or the uh, keyboard, then you know you get one more option to use. Um, so it seems like a no lose situation and possibly a lot of positives for Nintendo, exactly Nintendo fans. So yeah, that is cool. All right. Um, so another question that I would pose to you. And this is going to be a separate topic right here, is what is the game that you're looking forward to the most by the end of this year? Captain Toad. <laughs> Captain Toad? <laughs> That's it, just Captain Toad? Well, I mean, for a new <laughs> for new games, there's not really a lot of major stuff this year for me uh, yet, with you know, obviously E3 not coming. But I think the rest of the year, it's probably just uh, Detroit Come Human. I think the game that I'm looking forward to the most and I'm not too sure if it's going to release this year or not, is Metroid Prime 4. Mm. The Metroid Prime series has been a, has been a frequent thing in <laughs> my life where it's like, I've played through the original Metroid Prime, I have yet to actually beat 2 or 3, but I'm very excited about Metroid Prime 4 because of the direction it's going to be going inside. There are heavy rumors suggesting that it's not made by Retro Studios and it's made by a some other developer we know it's confirmed for Switch we know that it's in development but we've seen next to nothing in regards to actual gameplay or the concepts but uh, I'm excited to see what direction that they go for in terms of uh, just the gameplay and the story stuff but uh, oh yeah that's one of the things I'm excited for but I'm trying to think what else well, I'm looking forward to Smash, obviously. Yeah. Since that's going to be unveiled during Nintendo's E3, they kind of let that out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> kind of wonder if they're going to be bringing back some of the exclusive characters that were in the Wii U port, or maybe even introduce like some new characters. You know, maybe first party, maybe third party. Captain Toad. <laughs> could you could you just imagine that, like uh, with Peach or something like that, just using Captain Toad as like a little shield or something like that, or just. Oh. Uh... <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be his own standalone character, Tyler. He may be like an assist trophy or like some sort of little like uh, little like stage sort of like not not just like a stage, but like a little uh, a part of a specific stage. It's like a little event that it cycles through or something. You see Captain Toad or something just flying off in his spaceship or something, or in the background just doing this and that while all the fighters are just fighting on this on this, this like uh, battlefield like stage. Not good enough. <laughs> I want all level 7 Captain Toads all level 7 Captain Toads just duking it out 8 mm-hmm. Captain Toads on one stage just yep. battling it out <laughs> yep that's exactly what I want 
And the final smash is something that's like, time for an adventure, and it just blows everyone out of the it's, fucking it's the, it's the bird from, the final boss from from Captain Toad. It's the bird. I'll be fine with that. <laughs> the big These are all things I'm okay with. Yeah. <laughs> this is just how, the, how it should go. Basically, oh, just, I really make everything Captain Toad, and I'll be much happier. Oh, yeah. I'm going to admit, though, that is, that would be fucking funny just to see. Uh, I'd pay money for that. Uh, but anything else you want to talk about before we, we head out, Gables? Well, let me think right here. I know there's one more topic that I've been wanting to talk about. It's been a while since I put it in, I think, our show notes for, well, like, what, a couple weeks ago? Okay. I'm not too sure if we're all ready for this topic yet, but I'm going to suggest it anyway. Now, a week or so ago, there was a topic that's been circling around Twitter, cycling around certain movies that define you and this and that. Well, gamers actually took it into another retrospect, like in another direction and stuff, and decided to talk about their top four games that helped define them as like an individual, you know. So, the thing I actually asked inside the show notes... It's like, what are the games that really define you as a person? That, in and of itself, got me thinking a bit about it. Because I've played a hell of a lot of video games, Tyler. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. You're talking to somebody that back in 2008 actually played through over 100 games in the span of a fucking year. <laughs> but um, that aside, there are maybe a handful of games I would consider helped me scope and mold and shape into the person that I am or more appropriately the type of like uh, person I aim to be in terms of like completionist perspective or how I problem solve this or that or how I like advance further in certain like aspects of now just stuff one of the games that I personally feel like contributed to that was uh Obviously, some of the Pokemon games, you know, like, just the original ones, like Pokemon Red and Blue and Yellow, because that was one of those games that kind of helped mold me into certain, like, problem-solving skills. Okay, I face this problem, I catch a creature, train this, do that, then all of a sudden battle against a team or battle against a gym leader or the champion or whatever, and just overcome it after so much trials and so much, like, uh... You know, so much struggle in the early portion of the game, just leveling up your creatures, the problems with catching them, this and that. All of that, you stuck through the entire way and then all of a sudden finish it. That's definitely one of those games. But uh, another game I think that's helped, like, scope, you know, put things into perspective, actually, was the Mass Effect games. And more specifically, Mass Effect 2. For Mass Effect 2, basically you have a bunch of loyalty missions that you go through and you earn the trust of your comrades in order to face the oncoming Reaper threat. Now, in terms of what how that game kind of molded me, it kind of like presented like a situation type of things. It's like, if you want to really get help and tackle a larger issue, a larger problem in a grand scale, you're going to need help from a lot of different people and a lot of different skills and try to do anything possible in order to gain their loyalty and support in order to, you know, just uh, tackle your problems head on and then try to, you know, solve it, this and that, you know. 
it's basically you are not alone when facing a problem, and sometimes you need people's help in order to try, you know, in order to advance yourself personally or to overcome a huge obstacle. So that is definitely another game that was a part of me. But do you have like certain games like that, Tyler? Uh, I mean, maybe not to that level, uh, but I think of like the four games that kind of made me, you know, like what I like is Metal Gear Solid, Pokemon Yellow. Yeah. Um, ooh, that's. I know, right? It's a tough one to think of. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of something in the middle generation, like a, I don't know, like like Mass Effect, Bioshock, uh, Uncharted. Um, I don't know if I could just pick. I mean, like Last Guardians, one for sure. I put in that in those four. I just can't think of what the fourth one would be. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it literally it takes me a while just to think of the games that would be perfect for that type of situation or scenario. Mm-hmm. I just keep randomly naming like a couple of uh, a couple of different parts of games that could actually interfit anywhere up on this list. But other than Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow, Mass Effect Two and stuff like that, definitely I would say, oh boy, Chrono Trigger. Would definitely play a good role in that and no it's not like mostly rpgs that help shaped and stuff but it's just the overall experience of that game with the music the story everything else swelling together in terms of uh, helping you know just kind of like a realization of like some of the bigger picture that life presents you know because inside chrono trigger it's constantly like the oncoming like dread or something a lava submerging like in 1999 destroying everything and every creature and things just basically destroying the entire planet and then trying to subsequently find little clues from the past or from the distant future or whatsoever in order to just gather all that help and gather all that information together in order to tackle that main issue and stuff but uh (laughs) <laughs> the last thing I would say in terms of games that have helped motivate, not just motivate, but help contribute to who I am as a person, gosh, it would be, I would say Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Now, Ocarina of Time, that was a game that I basically took a chance on back when I was a teenager. I wanted WrestleMania 2000. I was waiting months for that game to release, but my Walmart never had it, so I kept getting random N64 games for the grades that I would earn, and Ocarina of Time ended up being the game, obviously, that outshined a lot of what else I had gotten previously, (laughs) and even WrestleMania 2000 to a certain extent, though I played the hell out of that. The reason being is... The sense of adventure, the sense of risk, and the sense of uh, just fighting against adversity, that's kind of what contributed to like helping me kind of develop as a person as well earlier on. There are elements inside that game where you face your inner self, basically Dark Link inside the Water Temple, I'm mentioning it's like exact, where you have to face yourself and overcome like any type of darkness that's within in order to <laughs> in order to just rise above and just ex- not just accept things for what they are and move on but just 
to better yourself personally, pretty much. Because towards when you get towards the end of Ocarina of Time and you're finally fighting Ganon and then rescue Zelda and all this other stuff, you got this big old sense of accomplishment after such a long journey, so many perils, so many struggles. All of these games that I have mentioned, they all have an interline this is an interwoven theme that just helps contribute to shaping me into who I am. And there are a lot of commonalities. Hard work, struggle, all sorts of adversity, but surviving all of those tasks, all of those challenges in order to come out to the bigger picture where I have to put more risk into just going out there in order to advance further and becoming better, not only as a person, but just just basically being better in life, pretty much. That's how I view it at this moment in time, even though, even though it is kind of uh, hard for me to try to put into words without having really thought about it. <laughs> but that's just That's me. cool, though, man. Yeah, that's cool, though. Yeah. Uh, um... I don't have, you know, like I said, I don't really have anything like that deep. For me, I, I have the games that like kind of made me like the gamer that I am. But uh, yeah. probably Madden would be the fourth one. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's no so, doubt. Yeah, those are my four. Uh, but that's cool though, Gables. Uh, good answers, good, uh, good reasons why you picked them. Uh, but I think that might actually wrap up the show this week. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, not really a lot. Like I said, not really a lot going on, but it's kind of fun getting some side topics there. Um, yeah, but I want to thank you guys for listening. If you want to hear more from us, we do have a Facebook page and group, uh, Drunk Dash Nerds Podcast. Uh, like and join us on there on Twitter at Drunk Nerds Pod. Follow us on there on iTunes, Drunk Dash Nerds Podcast. Subscribe, leave us a five star review. Please, uh, and a nice comment. We really appreciate if you would do that on YouTube, Drunk Nerds Podcast. Subscribe and give us a big thumbs up on there as well. Uh, all the podcasts goes up on there. So, the more subscriptions and more likes we get, the more people that can see us. And then, last but not least, on Twitch, Drunk Nerds Podcast. Uh, follow us on there and send us friend requests. We like friends, friends are good. So, I uh, want well, to thank you again for listening. I was your host, I was Tyler. And I have been Colonel Gables. So, until next week, everyone, have yourself a good week, have yourself a good weekend, and above all else, game on. Yes. And Gables? Yeah. Too sweet. Too sweet, man. <laughs> Boys. And we're out. <laughs>